to be successful in your job, you've got to really be successful as a leader. You know, it begins with you and who you're being in the workplace. Uh, we spend a lot of time doing, you know, our things to do lists, our, you know, projects that we're working on, the things that we need to implement and change, all the change plans that are going on. But actually, who are we being at the same time? So my message in the book really is to consider who you need to be, work on yourself, fill up your own cup, or as lots of people are saying nowadays, your own oxygen mask on first, um, and then become someone who can lead others. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day. Tune in to discover what it takes to truly develop within human resources as we delve deep into growth, engagement and leadership strategies that will help you unlock the hidden potential within your business. By listening to this podcast, we hope to empower you and your workforce towards achieving significant HR organisational success. Welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. I'm delighted today to be joined by Sue Patel. For those not familiar, she is an international leadership consultant. She's an HR thought partner, author and speaker. And she's founder of HR and Training Consulting Limited, where she also hosts the HR Leadership Academy and the HR Networking Club. This is someone who's dedicated her life to the HR profession and her work experience has been within the fast-paced retail sector. She worked for Tesco as a senior HR manager and learning and development manager, impacting over 300,000 employees. More recently, she's been working within the education, insurance and printing industries, and she's been having an impact on HR for over 25 years. Ultimately, she just loves serving businesses and people, and we're going to find out all about that in today's episode. Sue is also the author of Putting the Human Back into HR. It's a book available on Amazon. It's got multiple five-star reviews, and it aims to provide leaders within human resources with solutions to build credible brands for people. So without further ado, I am delighted to welcome Sue Patel to today's HR&D podcast. Sit back, relax, and let's put the human back into HR. Enjoy. Five quick questions. Understanding where we are to know where we are going. So in your view, Sue, what are the critical challenges that HR leaders typically face every single day? And how can they ensure they're equipped with the tools to handle those problems? Thank you, Nick. I think um, I'm going to really, you know, it's not something very high level. What you know, I'm going to take it right down to basics, really. I think the biggest thing that HR leaders are struggling with are self-confidence, um, feeling overwhelmed, unable to really be vulnerable in the workplace and feeling like they're constantly judged by others. Um, you know, some of these basic uh, emotional mindset things that they're dealing with you know there's many HR professionals out there who have got all the skills the technical knowledge in their job but these are the things in the background that they're really dealing with and they just don't know where to start or how to even you know how to work on those areas often they just kind of brushing them to the side and not dealing with them and then struggling in their roles as a result of it um, and as as a result of that you know they're not getting the the appreciation or, or seeing the value from their bosses or, you know, the people that they're working with in the organization, the fact the value that they do add in the business. 
because sure. overwhelm and mindset stuff that they're dealing with. Do you think they've been exacerbated during the current pandemic? Do you think these problems have got worse or do you think they've actually brought some of these issues to the surface so we can really kind of tackle them? During the pandemic definitely got a lot worse because they, you know, they were kind of thrown into like, here's furlough, go and deal with it. You know, so lots of, um, again, overwhelm and feeling like if they didn't know enough about furlough, then, you know, they're going to be judged again for not being good enough in their roles. Um, so they've had to, you know, in, on the many HR groups that I'm a part of now, you know, I just, so many people are posting about how they're really feeling stressed out. Some of them are really rant, you know, not ranting, but really just venting, like how frustrated they are, how, um, again, overwhelm just keeps coming up. Like the only, the only solace they have or the only savior they have is their wine at the end sure. of the day to kind of unwind from what they're feeling and as well as that they're also feeling the anxiety for their own jobs yeah you know they're helping their employees they're helping their bosses trying to get to grips with remote working they're helping the employees get to grips with what furlough means and you know just trying to keep everyone sane i guess but at the same time having their own worries they're often putting their own health at the bottom of the agenda because they don't have time to take care of themselves yeah, um, and feel yeah, like they've got to be working, you know, n- not just nine to five, but often nine till 10 at night to catch up. Yeah, I think mental health is something that we really need to be very conscious of, both in ourselves and of our, our colleagues at the minute. I think sometimes it kind of builds up and we don't see it until it's too late. And identifying some of the early warning signs that mental health is deteriorating is something we need to try and be more conscious of and it's difficult you mentioned there you know some of the pressures they've been put under furlough legislation as we have seen has changed almost daily with government guidelines changing i know that you're someone who's very passionate about hr leaders being proactive as opposed to reactive to change and obviously that's been very challenging during this pandemic it's almost impossible not to be reactive what would you do to pivot to try and get ahead if, if it's possible yeah i think um you know we're kind of well into the furlough stages you know hopefully coming at the other end now i think what hr can do now is you know there's going to be a new normal when we go back to business you know it's not going to be business as usual it's going to be a new way of doing business i think what hr could really do to be proactive is look at first of all is to get in touch with like what is their vision for the business and the people when they go back you know many don't have a vision that they've created around what that looks like for the business because um, they've been led by the business directors who again you know, don't have a clear idea of what, you know, they're waiting for HR to provide that guidance. Um, And often HR are waiting to be told. So really HR can start creating what that people plan looks like when they go back into their business. You know, what is it going to be like for the people, for the managers? What do managers need developing on? What do they need training on? What do they need support with? And really also for themselves, like what do they need coming out of this they're literally just going to go back into business as usual without taking some time out for themselves around their own mental health i did a seminar um a few weeks back it was like a seven hour a zoom seminar um around living it fully every day for hr and the you know there was about 50 people attended the whole day for seven hours and it just goes to show how much of this is needed for HR professionals out there 
you know, we talked about mindset, we talked about goal setting and vision, we talked about owning your behavior, we talked about resilience. So it's so needed out there, but nearly everyone that attended said, we're so good at telling other people how to take care of themselves and their mental health, but we're not good at doing it for ourselves. Yeah. So it's really important that they start taking care of themselves and they do start putting themselves first. And even during this pandemic, like I've not seen a lot of that happening. That's going to result in, you know, burnout. Fully agree. I think something we've all realised as well is, and it's going to link to your book a little bit. I know you wrote your book before the pandemic, of course, but, you know, we've all come to, or many people have come to realise the importance of human interaction. Um, we've had to, as you say, get to grips with the new world of dealing with Zoom, dealing with MS Teams and all the other technologies that come with it. But I think a lot of people have realised that, you know, being isolated and being unable to have that human interaction has been very, very difficult. And be able to manage employee relations issues in particular has been very challenging when you're working on a remote basis. So let, let's, let's pivot back to the book that you did write, which is putting the human back into HR. Success as an HR professional begins with you. So what was it that motivated you to write that book? And arguably, it's probably more relevant now as we return to work than it's probably ever been. Would you agree? 100%. What really motivated me to write the book was actually where HR has, you know, over the years really, you know, moved in terms of the job that we do in a business. You know, we've gone from being like the matronly role to being quite strategic and business partner you know, having that agenda now as a business partner. But amongst that, we, you know, we've kind of lost the, the human touch a little bit around really getting into the world of people in the organization and what they want and, and what they need. Um, I think there's so much more opportunity for us to really get into the world of people to really get to know what they're dealing with. And in HR because we've kind of moved more towards a strategic role and you know the planning and you know the people plan and all that kind of stuff we're, we're often not taking enough time to get to know the, the real people and what they're dealing with so for me you know the job is not about policies and processes and you know legislation and all of that kind of stuff like I very rarely ever spent time doing that stuff because I spent more time actually talking to people you know, getting into the world of the managers, um, the line managers, the directors, the employees, and finding out what is it that they really want, what matters to them, and how can I serve them in my role? Um, and by, you know, when I say being proactive, like, that's the stuff that we want to be doing, rather than worrying about what the policy says, and making sure that every single policy is, you know, you know, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Sure. From your perspective, from your perspective, I mean, it's really interesting to know what motivates you to do the book. And you mentioned a little bit there about how your work was never that necessarily that policy driven, although that may not be the same for, for other HR professionals. And we'll talk about a little bit more about that a bit later. But obviously, I've given them an introduction to your background. But I'd be really interested to know from your words, Sue, can you give the listeners a little bit more information about what you'd, you know, what you'd achieved up until the point of writing, to the, writing the book, you know, how, the kind of experience you'd gained that led you to that specific point of, that you had actually decided, you know what, I'm going to write a book. This is the experience I have. And I'm going to aim it specifically at these individuals to achieve X. Can you give us a little bit of background to that and, and as a specifically the intentions going forward? Yeah, sure. So um, as I said earlier, like, you know, I've, I've seen lots of HR professionals who are really good at you know, knowing the policies and processes and legislations in and out, you know, they're like mini lawyers, which is awesome to have that knowledge. 
then you've got HR professionals who are really good at all the, you know, like the really softer people side of things um, and not really in tune with the policy or the business. And for me, it was about actually how do we get HR professionals to be more balanced in their role around all of those areas? So I created the HR brand blueprint, which is a blueprint that says, actually, these are the five areas that we need to focus on to really master and be effective in HR. And that's partnerships, process, productivity, performance and progress. Um, and the, the book is really aimed at HR professionals just being about their lives so that they can really bring that into the workplace. The thinking behind it is that to be successful in your job, you've got to really be successful as a leader. You know, it begins with you and who you're being in the workplace. Uh, we spend a lot of time doing, you know, our things to do lists our you know projects that we're working on the things that we need to implement and change all the change plans that are going on but actually who are we being at the same time we're not often aware of who we're being and it's got to start from that and just to give an example you know sometimes we're so focused on having you know the the right achieving the right kpis or getting that promotion or improving systems and processes that we end up then doing things that are not aligned to who we really are. You know, we end up having to compromise our own values. Um, you know, whatever that is, we end up spending long hours at work. We end up not being nice to people sometimes. You know, we can get really snappy, be really worried about how it's going to look or being judged. Um, or because one day we can be successful, feel the sense of achievement, you know, feel content and be caring. But actually, if we started with that first, you know, and we were being caring and we were being leaders and we were being understanding, we operate very differently to achieve the same results. It wouldn't feel like hard work. It wouldn't feel like overwhelm or frustration. So my message in the book really is to consider who you need to be, work on yourself, um fill up your own cup or as lots of people are saying nowadays your own oxygen mask on first um and then become the leader that people you know become someone who can lead others like gandhi says isn't it be the change sure i like that so were there any sp specific examples in your career prior to the book that really gave you those light bulb moments and the examples you can share with the listeners you went you know what because we all learn through experience. We often learn through our mistakes. We often learn by seeing others do things in a way that we wish we could achieve ourselves and we try and emulate. What were the kind of um, stepping stones for your own development that led you to developing the five Ps, as you as you very articulately just put through to the audience there, and also um, that gave you that, that light bulb moment to say, I'm going to write this book because I've learned through these experiences. Are there any examples you can share? Yeah, so a couple of examples are, you know, like, um, we all get given a job description you know in terms of what our job is like for me it was always around beginning with the end in mind every quarter for my review you know I'll be like actually uh, you know what do I want my boss to be saying to me when I get my review um, I'm not just going to be someone who settles for an average performance review so I'd be looking at opportunities of exceeding the expectations my objectives and I'd be doing things that really really make a difference to people like as an example um in a store that i'd taken over there was um predominantly a muslim community and they were in the month of ramadan 
you know, the staff restaurant closed, you know, serving food at like two o'clock and the fast broke about four o'clock and there was no provision of food for them, you know, and really being aware of stuff like that and saying, actually, speaking to the restaurant manager and saying, like, can we make sure that we can provide some hot food for these guys? You know, they haven't eaten, you know, for knows how many hours, you know, no water, no food. And then we haven't provided them with some food to break their fast. And, you know, for me, that's like a small thing, but for them guys, like, you know, it's a massive consideration that, you know, we're making it a place that they would feel proud to work in. Um, another example was, um, you know, having a, a member of staff who was um, trying to really hard to get promoted in the business, but he wasn't great. But he was such a great motivator, um, a people person, and really committed. You know, he'd, he'd not passed his interview or the assessment several times because he couldn't articulate himself. So we spent some time with him to role model, you know, some typical examples of questions and answers, even, you know, spent some time explaining his language, you know, and he went and passed the interview. And now, you know, he's a major having a better future because we took some time out to find out what he was really dealing with and give him the support that he needed. So it's these little things. And I always remember, you know, like when I went into Tesco and I see the older gentleman who's like in his sixties with arthritis in his legs, filling the baked beans and he's working full time, you know, not because he wants to be there, but because he has to be there. And I just feel like, you know, we've missed an opportunity there to really help him realize that his life could have been different. I think there's some really, really great examples. Um, yeah, very, very clever. And, and, and I guess you have to be on the ball to spot these things. It's very easy, as you say, to be, you know, for, for people to be siloed into their own little world. And actually, we need to think broader to make sure that people are getting the best HR experience or, or the HR department's giving the best experience for their employees. But I also know that finding the right balance between what the business needs and doing the right thing for employees isn't an easy task for any leader, whether you work in HR or anywhere else. So with that in mind, what, what do you think are the key leadership skills that make a, for a really strong HR, uh, HR leader that would really, you know, they need to master to progress their careers? Often when we talk about performance or productivity, you know, as leaders, we think it's our responsibility to manage performance, make sure people are doing what they need to be doing easier way of around that is finding how we can move the accountability to the individual um, and we've not been great in the past at doing that so the companies that I work with we look at changing the culture of, you know recognizing that everybody in the business is a leader and helping them get that you know what as a leader they own their job they own their job description and they own the job that they do it's not up to me to manage you to do your job and when you put that when you give people that responsibility suddenly the sense of accountability becomes very different and they start taking ownership imagine having an organization where your employees are coming to you saying right when can we sit down and do my performance review because I've got to show you what I've done Often in businesses, what I'm seeing, managers don't want to do performance reviews because it takes up time. Um, they don't know what to say or it's uncomfortable and it's something that they need to do to people um, rather than actually something that employees take accountability for and that they, sh you know, it's an opportunity to share with their manager what they're doing. So I've got like these seven steps I shared in my book. The first step is accountability. 
Um, it's, it's called the ACHIEVE model, so it's an acronym. Um, A stands for accountability and making sure that the individual has accountability. The C stands for contribution, that everybody understands the contribution that they're making to the business and to the people. H is for hope. So do we know what their hopes are? Do we know what they want to achieve in life? And how can we support them as a business with what they want to achieve? So, you know, how many managers spend some time with their people saying, actually, what do you want in your life? You know, and how can I help you? So that's H. Um, the I stands for implement in terms of creating action plans that are realistic, that people can, you know, go away and work on. E stands for educate. What skills do they need? Qualifications to support them with that will really help them live into their best future. Um, the V stands for validation. Often we're good at doing performance reviews. We're not good at following up. And I know lots of organizations have moved away from doing an annual review, but there's many small businesses who are not even doing one review a year. So, um, but one review a year isn't always enough. So it's important that we have the follow-ups and the interims and really validate, you know, where people are at and acknowledge where people are at. And then the last E stands for elevate is recognizing people and giving them a sense of elevation around, you know, what they've achieved and what they've contributed. So that's the model that I use in terms of really stepping up your leadership in whatever role that you're in. Sure. I think that's an excellent acronym. I'll, I'll try and make that, a note of that in the episode notes as well. So if people listening to this want to uh, access that acronym, you can read it in the episode notes and uh, and take it further. So thank you for sharing that. And obviously, I'll also put a link to the, the book in the episode notes if anyone to, wish to purchase it on, uh, on Amazon as well. I'll make sure there's a link to that so they can access a copy. Uh, last question before we find out a little bit more about you, Sue. And that is, and I think you've touched upon it there with the acronym itself, but Obviously, HR departments at the minute are very staff engagement, employee engagement is a real buzzword at the minute, trying to, you know, rather than try and find the best talent, we're trying to keep the best talent. And it's a lot more about retention of staff rather than the attraction of staff, although, of course, both are still important. What would be your key tips for creating an enjoyable work environment for employees? And are there any sort of new things that are coming out, especially with this pandemic, really, where you see, you know, the new studies that are being done on how people like to work and the flexibility around that? Are there any tips you can give on how HR departments can continue to try and elevate and create a better work environment for employees? Yep. I think the best thing to do to create engagement in an organisation is to ask your employees what they want. Uh, many HR professionals are guessing what people want. You know, I worked for an organization um, a couple of years ago as a consultant where they had a, a small HR team and they just introduced um, PetBox as a, um, a reward and benefit scheme. Um, and they predominantly had European workers in the business who have come over, left all their families, you know, kind of back home. And, you know, the, the HR team were like, nobody's really using the system. And I said, well, are you surprised? Because all the, none of their families are here. Nobody's going to go out on a day out on their own, you know. And they hadn't engaged or asked the team, like, what they wanted, whereas probably what would have helped if they'd asked the team was maybe having a few extra holidays that they could go and spend with their family would have probably gone down a lot better than having a day out, you know, having days out, for example. So I do believe that to improve engagement is to actually engage with people and ask them like what can you know what do they want 
and you know creating lots of different champions around the organization like allowing people to take accountability and responsibility for some of these areas you know it's not hr often feels like it's their responsibility to do things like that um but you know if you find that talent in your business you know people who can take on things and champion things you know you're growing more leaders in the business and you know people like to take on more responsibilities let's just give it a go often we're thinking for people rather than actually allowing people to just really step up you know we underestimate people and and we need to stop doing that and actually allowing people to step into their leadership because you know everyone's a leader in some way we're all leading our own lives aren't we it's a really good example and as you say if you delegate responsibilities that feeling of empowerment for those that want it can it can be a real you know a, a real encouraging factor and a real motivator to want to do more so I, I i completely understand that point i think it's something i need to work on i tried that what leadership team which i implemented last year with the help of a uh, an HR consultant, funny enough, he's been on the podcast called Judith, but um, it's made a huge difference to to my my business. We're only small, but I think it was a learning curve for me that um, actually to delegate does empower and it, it, it does improve engagement considerably. Um, and it also improves my own life as well, because it's just, you know, you have to you have to trust your staff and you have to get your own work life balance in play. And, um, you know, it, it was a real lesson for me. It, needed, it did need pointing out by an HR pro. Uh, to me who came in analyzed our business and analyzed our processes and it's you know sometimes you just got to accept that you're not you know things can be optimized and you don't do everything the best way until someone else shows you a better way and um, we adopted I think pretty much every tip that the HR consultant gave us and it's been working to great effect so um, I'm definitely someone who's converted yeah for sure well look, what I'd like to do is find out a little bit more about yourself um, Sue uh, but when we come back we're going to discover a little bit more about what you think the future of HR will be and we're going to uncover some key strategies that can help ensure people are always put at the heart of any business so do stay tuned first we're going to find out a little bit more about you time to find out more about you so you're obviously you are an HR practitioner, professional, author, coach, mentor and author. You also run the HR Leadership Academy and the HR Networking Club. You're very, very busy. So how do you relax in your downtime away from human resources? Uh, away from human resources, I spend some time with my daughter. Um, she's 14 years old and um, yeah, we were playing charades the other day, which, you know, we were just having a right laugh at. Um, I also love being with my nieces and nephews, so lots of family time. And I also like Bollywood dancing, which is, you know, I plan for joy as much as I can every day, even if it's just 10 minutes. Uh, Michelle Obama said that and she said, you know, we as adults, we don't spend enough time feeling joyful. We spend lots of time focused on how to pay the business and how we're going to grow the business and, you know, what we're going to eat that kind of stuff, but we don't often plan for joy. And um, that's something that I've really taken on is planning more time for joy. And obviously I take care of my health load. So I get my 10 to 12,000 steps done a day. I work out four times a week and I eat really, really healthy. So taking care of that. And I also have really good routines and habits in place. So I wake up at 5.30 every day. I work out, I meditate, pray, I journal. Um, I do my gratitude diary um, and then, yeah, stay focused on my goals. Amazing. Amazing. I'm glad I asked the question. 
Um, I love that. I've not heard that actually from uh, Michelle Obama, so I'll take that on. I love the 10 minutes of joy. I think it's very easy to get very focused on the journey and we forget the one why we were doing it all for, and that's to have fun and to smile and be positive. Um, so I love that. And I, you know, something that came to mind then when you were giving the list of all the different things you fit into your daily routine is someone said to me last week, she's a, mar- uh, someone work, a friend of mine works in marketing, and she said, if you want something done, always give a task to a busy person. It'll always get done. If you give it to someone who's not busy, it won't. And I, I was just imagining if I had a task, I needed it done. As busy as you are, I'm pretty confident if I'd given you something and we worked together, I'd have it done very, very quickly and you'd be able to fit it in somehow. So it brought that uh, brought that quote to life. So thanks for sharing that. I, I, I very rarely, I never use the term I'm busy. Okay. Uh, because, because I create my time. So I create what I do. So everything that I do, I do because I want to do. Sure. And I own my time. So I very, really ever create myself as being busy. It's very empowering to hear that. Just for me listening to it, it's great. I really like that. So for you, obviously, you're very, very experienced in the HR profession. Um, who are the two people who have been the most influential to you in your career journey? So amazing store managers that I worked with at Tesco, you know, very, very disciplined in terms of the standards. You know, I had a storm I remember this store manager that I had and he would get in to the store at 6 a.m you know when we didn't open till 8 he'd get in at 6 a.m to have a detailed walk around the store you know looking at the finer things like the shelfage labels the you know the presentations and I remember on a walk around with him once and um you know we we had it was a line manager who you know, wasn't performing very well and was not in a good place. And he once said to me, he goes, Sue, don't be like that. It just kind of instilled, you know, rightly or wrongly, just instilled um, a level of like, if I could sum it up in a quote, it would be like, excellence is not a place to get to. It's a place to come from. Nice. Yeah, so I learned loads from, you know, my leaders, my, they were my, my mentors, my store managers. Um, and then, you know, other people that I've learned from are people like, you know, I've watched people like Margaret Thatcher, you know, as a woman, you know, in a very male orientated environment. And she was kicking it in her day, you know, like <laughs> whether people liked it or not, she was, you know, she was making it happen. And then You've got Michelle Obama, who's really stepped up into her leadership, female role models. But then I'm also inspired by people like Richard Branson, you know, who's achieved so much in his life. Um, Gandhi for being an amazing legend and leaving the legacy that he did and who he had to be to create what he created in the world. I mean, amazing examples. Uh, I couldn't argue against any of those. You've, you've, you've uh, referenced some absolute, you know, uh, heavyweights in the terms of those that have influenced so many people. So I'm really glad they asked the question. Uh, in terms of resources then, taking it away from people, what are the key resources that have really helped you on your journey? Really building routines, so planners. There was um, actually a book that I read. Um, I think this is one of the first books that I read, two books actually I read at the age of 16 when I first became a line manager. One was how to win friends and influence people. Yeah. And what that taught me was how to really relate to others by putting others first and really getting into their world. So that really taught me so much about relationships and relating to other people. Um, and then the other book was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. 
which became like my Bible. You know, I said it earlier, like what habits does begin with the end in mind. And when I think about that, you know, it's who do I, what do I want my daughter to say about her mum when she's talking to her children? What do I want, you know, black masses to say about me when I leave this job? What do I want, you know, and I'm always working with the end in mind in most situations. Like, how do I want to be remembered when I'm not around? How do I want, you know, if I've got a coaching client, how do I want them to remember me or as, you know, their mentor and their coach? Um, so whenever I'm working with clients or store managers, it was always like, what would I want them to be saying about me when I'm not around? So always beginning with the end in mind. And then the other habit that's really, really important is sharpening the saw, you know, like making sure that we're constantly learning. If You know, there's a quote that I read, if you're not learning, you're dying. Yeah, I've read that. I love that as well. And actually, I've read the, also read the two books you referenced as well. And I, I totally agree. They're all, they're all brilliant. Um, and I can see why they've influenced you because they've influenced me. Continuous learning. And I always, you know, say to like my clients, like um, HR professionals that, you know, just because you've done a qualification, you know, the CIPD qualification or, or whatever that is that you've done, like doesn't mean that that's it, you know, it's um, constantly learning, constantly reflecting and looking at how can I be better? How can I do better? You know, like, and, and have what I want in my life is don't just settle for what you've got is always look at how can you improve? Um, you know, I always refer back to, you know, when you're at school, you have your teacher teaching you or guiding you and then you go to college and uni and you have your tutors and the professors but many people don't go to uni and college and some people drop out at school but at work there's nobody you know but the HR professional who becomes your kind of guide your influencer your leaders become your guides your influencers and really stepping into that role as leaders to develop the people you know feel privileged to be responsible and leading people because you're going to impact and make a difference to somebody's life um so yeah really kind of stepping into that leadership and i always as i said in my book you know it begins with you being that example first you know yeah. so for me in what i do is like how really helping hr professionals think about not just the qualifications and the technical skill that they need but the leadership stuff that they need the influencing skills they need you know and how to be visionaries in the organization how to really lead managers that are struggling that need their support and don't be sidelined you know don't sit in your office all day and think that you know you're going to deliver your job sitting in the office you know go out there and find opportunities to make a difference if anyone's interested in um, finding out more about the uh, seven habits of highly influential people i actually did a podcast i don't know if you're familiar with um, scott miller um, but I did a podcast with Scott Miller on the HRND podcast about three episodes ago, and he serves as Franklin Covey's executive VP on thought leadership. And he wrote he wrote the book uh, Management Mess to Leadership Success. But um, a lot of that book draws on the principles of the seven habits of highly influential people. And he's been working with Franklin Covey for nearly his entire career. So if anyone's interested in finding out more from a podcast perspective, if they don't want to read the book, then um, if you go back a couple of episodes to plug it while I'm here uh, on the HRND podcast, it's a really interesting episode with Scott Miller that people may find may find useful because it draws upon a lot of the things you've just um, you've just highlighted. Amazing! I'll check that out as well, Nick. Thanks for that. That last question before we jump back in: um, if you could invite three people to a dinner party, and you may have already mentioned some of these names, I suspect you may have done. Who would they be, and why? Definitely be Richard Branson, Michelle Obama, and. I'd say Tony Robbins. 
Yeah, I love Tony Robbins. I was I was expecting you to say Gandhi at the end. I don't know why. I think I had that in my head. You mentioned the other two, but Tony Robbins. I mean, I, I would probably have Tony Robbins at my table as well. Tell us, tell us why. Um, so Richard Branson has just been an amazing inspiration. I think you know when I when I first became self-employed. So in 2016, I'll just quickly share what happened to me. It was a really really pivotal year for me. So in the February, I separated from my husband after 10 years. In the March, I became redundant from my job, and then in the April, I had to sell my house. And I was like, oh, my God, like, what am I going to do? Yeah, <laughs> and wow. yeah, and I was like, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. Like all I've ever known is being employed. Um, you know, I've just gone from having a, you know, a lovely family network, a secure job and income living in my own home to being a single parent all of a sudden having no job and no income and living in a rented home for the first time in my life. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And the first thing that came to mind was creating a vision board for my future. Because now that I was at rock bottom, I could create anything I want in my future. I created this vision board and um, Richard Branson came to mind because of, you know, what he's created in the world of business. You know, and I was like, I want to create business. I want to be remembered for who I am and what I do and the people I serve and how I make a difference out there in the HR world. Um, you know, to be an influencer and somebody that people looked up to or that can see hope for themselves when they think of me. Um, so I put his picture on my vision board and he's still on it, you know, as, you know, somebody that I kind of look up to because he, he created that from nothing. And now he's got an island. But what he's bringing to so many people's lives in terms of entertainment, travel, like all that. And, you know, and um, he didn't do that just by being Richard Branson. He's had to overcome lots of challenges in his life, um, lots of no's, lots of rejection. Um, but he persevered and he made it happen. I love the way you said he started from nothing and now he's got an island, <laughs> which is absolutely right. What a great way to put it. Not many, not many of us can say that. Yeah. And Michelle Obama, because just who she is as a human being, you know, I watched her video, her film the other day called Becoming. I don't know if you've seen that on Netflix. It's on my list on Netflix. I haven't seen it yet. I uh, so you know, it's such a great watch because she describes, yeah, she went into the White House and um, there were butlers in, you know, their kind of their outfits or whatever. And she said, you know, I don't want my children feeling privileged, you know, that they can have people here doing everything for them. You know, and she was so against like butlers wearing a certain uniform. And, you know, she was like, I don't want that. I want them to be, I don't want them to be like, we've got servants, you know, like they're all human beings. They're just here to help us, you know, do what we need to do to serve the world kind of thing. And it was just so human the way she did it. Um, and I just love that about her. She's just so human. And, you know, when she talks about becoming, it's about, you know, it's not about what you need to do in the world. It's about who you need to become to do mm. the things that you want to do in the world. Great. Well, it's it's on my list, so I'll have to. It's, I know my wife's been there, been keen to watch it as well. So uh, maybe we'll bring that forward a little bit on Netflix. There's so many things out there to watch, but I added it to my list and haven't got around to watching it yet. But I'll make sure I bring it forward. And how about Tony Robbins? All the stuff that you know, I remember sitting when I was in my real low low place. Um, you know, I could really 
feel my mindset spiraling downwards. Like there was a point in 2016 when all of those things happened to me that my life was spiraling downwards and I just kept becoming negative about where I was. I felt really worthless. I felt like nobody loved me or cared about me. Like I've got nothing, you know, I really felt low. I found myself wanting to give up on everything and not take responsibility and not just not wanting to be around I was just tired of the hard slog of life and I quickly realized that it was my mindset that was spiraling down and just I don't know out of somewhere you know maybe it was my faith in God or you know whatever that was that something said to me I need to watch some Tony Robbins videos because I remembered watching or listening to some of his CDs like years ago when I was in the world of personal development when I was training to be a manager and um, I started watching a lot of his videos like at breakfast at lunch at dinner while I was eating and I started to feed my mind with good thoughts you know he'd be saying things like you know if you're not happy about where your life is it's because you of the standards that you've created for yourself so if you want standards make better choices you know and I started to look around and think oh my god I've created this in my life you know and that's when I started to really take responsibility for my life you know in as an employee in an organization I used to always wait for my manager to tell me what I needed to learn what courses I needed to do what, what you know but actually I decided to take my development in my own. I went and attended courses, got the help and, you know, the coaches and the mentors that I needed to get me to where I am today. Like I am where I am because of the amazing people that I surrounded my myself around. And, you know, Tony Robbins was a, a real, you know, fundamental in my life at the time with all the stuff that kind of I fed you know they say that if you if you don't tend to your mind it's like a bit like a garden uh, weeds start growing yeah so you've got to start planting the good things in there which I started doing by listening to Tony Robbins I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan so I think if anyone is as you say there are many people that will be on that spiral that'll be feeling you know struggling with mental health and struggling with confidence particularly with the pandemic maybe you know, there's job uncertainty and there's risks and financial insecurity, all these different things. Tony Robbins is someone who I would definitely recommend people listen to if you need that motivation, you need that inspiration uh, for owning choices and, and decisions and to keep that proactive outlook. And I've read two of his books, Unshakable and Awaken the Giant Within, and both of them were yeah. were brilliant. And um, I can't recommend it enough. And he's got audio books as well. So the people out there listening yeah. uh, prefer to listen like they are right now to this podcast, then um, you can get it on audiobook. But he's... um. He's been an inspiration to many, and I, 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 I would probably have him at my dinner table. So thanks for sharing. Brilliant answers. We're going to jump back in. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting, and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. Now, if I was an HR leader or HR professional listening to this HRMB podcast right now, I'm thinking, you know what, I really want to do more. I want to be inspired, but I find it really difficult in my business 
or because of my confidence or because of my anxieties, whatever it might be, I find it really difficult to speak up and speak out. What strategies would you recommend, Sue, to help those people to, 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 to feel more empowered to be able to really speak up and make change? A really awesome question because there are lots of people right now who are feeding like that. I sent out a newsletter last week to my uh, my database and it was just really, you know, you don't need to get responses from, from sending out a newsletter, but I had several people message me saying, oh my God, your newsletter was so timely, so on point, and I really needed to hear that. You know, um, some of those things are that, you know, to have a real clear plan of where you're going in your church. When you don't have a clear plan of where you're going in your future, is there's nothing inspiring you you know um so really create that like what does your next year look like in terms of you know often we're doing jobs because we fell into the job doing it because we need the money we're not doing the job because it's really what we want to be doing um we don't often look at the business that we're going to work for does it does it sit with my values does it fit in with my values we often just go for the job because it's available right now and i'm present um, and I do find that many HR professionals, you know, the ones that I've coached in the past, there's some of them who are constantly on the job market looking for jobs because they're just not fulfilled with the companies that they're working for because they just jump job to job rather than actually doing the inner work with themselves around what is it that I really want? What is it that I really want to do? Um, and who do I be for each of those organizations? So really taking some time out to connect with yourself around doing the work about who you are and what it is that you want to do. You know, I always ask myself, like, why do I do what I do? And um, for me, I'm really, really clear that, you know, I want every employee in every organization to be valued and developed. And I can't do that on my own. I need a team of HR partners who believe in themselves who can go out there and make a difference. So I coach them so that they can be the best for the employees that work for them, right? Work with them in their businesses. So I'm really clear about what it is that I do. I know why I get up in the morning. I know, you know, why I take care of my health every day. And I want them to feel that for themselves, you know, um, and, and to be really proud of the job that they do. So the first question is, why am I doing what I'm doing? And, you know, what is the reason that I started doing this in the first place? Um, and then really looking at creating a clear vision for themselves around what do they want for their people, for their organization, and also for themselves. You know, I always say to HR professionals that, you know, we spend 70% of our time probably on our things to do list, you know, always constantly doing, whether it's at home, whether it's at work. And then we spend about 20% of time with people, you know, conversations and all that. And then there's only about 10% left, which is for us. And, it, you know, we, we, there's HR professionals out there who, who don't do any reading, who don't, have never heard of people like Tony Robbins, who don't do, you know, never heard of TED Talks, you know. And it's in this day and age with the amount of podcasts that are available, the articles that are available, you know, so much on YouTube out there. YouTube out there like you know there's so much opportunities to learn and they're not making time to develop themselves and learn so I would say create a plan a personal development plan for yourself don't just be giving that advice to your teams your you know your line managers your directors or whatever you know take that on for yourself is work on your own development for sure 
and get a coach and a mentor you know often what we think that you know we think because we're in hr like you know we'll we'll be fine we can get on with it but you know you can't you can't be your own coach to some level right is you know you got to have accountability if you're not being you know generally as human beings we can be quite lazy you know and that's our default state isn't it if you don't want to do something you just don't do it but then you don't get the results that you want either so having a coach and a mentor gives you the accountability to really take you to where you need to go rather than sometimes where you want to you know you like you don't want to be struggling in your job you don't want to be unhappy you don't want to be dissatisfied so a coach and mentor can help you get to where it is that you need to be. Fantastic. And obviously you're very experienced in that side. I know you've got your own website, which I'll, I'll put the links in the episode notes at the end. But if anyone wants to access it earlier than that, it's at hrcoachglobal.com. I know obviously coaching and mentoring is something that you do an awful lot of, Sue, and you've helped an awful lot of people. And I know that you mentioned in your uh, About Us, About Me section, which, you know, you're an advocate of Richard Branson. I know that he said, you know, train your people well enough so they can leave, treat them well enough so they don't want to. So with that in mind, I wondered if you could give us a few key strategies you could recommend to help an HR leader really put people at the heart of their business, which obviously relates back to your book. What would they be? So putting people at the heart of the business is one is help them really get connected to, you know, what's in it for them. Like, why are they working for your business? What are they going to get from working in your business? And that's really going to help them take the accountability for the job that they do. I think um, we underestimate the people that work for us. You know, many, you know, we would, let's just take, for example, at Tesco, you know, we see people as, oh, they're just a cashier. But that cashier, you know, is managing probably three children, a husband, a house, um, their health, the cooking, the cleaning, the ironing, all of that, right? They're, they're handling that. They're handling the bills. They're handling like their budgets or whatever that is, you know, and they're a leader. They're not just a cashier. So we underestimate people just because we give them a title in the business. So let's not do that and let's see everybody as leaders with, you know, the potential to be more, do more and have more in their lives. Um, so and really just take that on. I guess it's quite a big question, but we have just gone through a pandemic. I would have asked this regardless of the pandemic, but it has changed the way we work. It has changed the way we think. Um, and there is going to be a, a, you know, a profound impact on the way that we do business and the way that we work with each other and interact. Where do you think the HR profession is now going and what will the future be? Or what will the, what will the future of HR look like, do you think? Somebody asked me this the other day, actually, I was speaking to a HR lady and she said, oh, I'm really anxious about the future and like, what do you think the landscape looks like for, for HR? It's going to be different for every individual. You know, whether you're working in a small to medium business or whether you're working for a larger organisation, I think, you know, HR needs to really get to grips with what is it going to be like for them? You know, it's, like my future is going to be different to how your future is going to be, you know, or how anyone else's future is going to be. And we're often living in anxiety of what the future is going to bring rather than actually looking at how can I create the HR future that I want for my business and my people. That makes sense. So let's take that a level further then. Obviously, there's I think some of the anxieties do come from the, the amount of automation, technology, uh, change that we're seeing in the industry generally. So 
with that in mind as well, and with the fact that we can own those choices, we can make those decisions, and I 100% agree, we need to establish what, what, what we want from our futures before we try and predict what that future looks like. What would your message be to all the HR professionals out there listening to this podcast and beyond? If you could give one message, what would it be? Yeah, my message would be that business owners, organisations are looking for HR to step up and be visionaries, be leaders, and, and to take ownership for the people plan and deliver the business objectives. So my message to HR professionals would be, what do you need to, who do you need to be and what do you need to do to deliver that for the business, organisations and people? Fantastic. I think you've summed that up absolutely brilliantly. And I'm going to quote you, Sue, because I think this is quite a, a pertinent quote that I read that you put out there in the public domain. And you said, there's nothing complicated about people management. After all, we are all just people. So once we understand what's important to each other, we can serve each other better. And I think you've summarised that that quote, which of course is yours anyway, but throughout the, the entirety of this podcast, I think that really comes through. So thank you ever so much for joining me today on the HR LD podcast. Useful links, keeping the HR LD community connected. For those listening, if you want to access Sue's book, Putting the Human Back into HR, Success as an HR Professional Begins with You, then I will put a link in the episode notes direct to that book so you can make a purchase. But also, if you want to find out more about Sue, or if you want to engage with Sue, either before her coaching services, mentoring, services all her expertise then i will also put links to her websites one of which is the learning and development company.co.uk and the other which is hrcoachglobal.com and i will also put a link to sue's linkedin profile so if you want to reach out to sue directly you can do so so thank you ever so much sue for joining me today of course if you are an hr and professional listening to this podcast and you have a requirement in terms of recruitment for an hr his or lnd professional and you need some support please do get in touch with me i'd love to show you what a great hr recruitment experience can feel like you can reach out to me directly at nick at jjrecruitment.com or give me a call 01727 800 377 Thanks again for listening and thank you ever so much, Sue Patel, for joining me today on the HR L&D podcast. Thank you so much, Nick. I just want to end by acknowledging you for the amazing work that you're doing for HR and the L&D industry, really. It's just phenomenal. And um, thank you for serving them with these podcasts and these messages that you're sharing. Yeah, you're so kind. Thank you so much. Uh, I absolutely love it. I want to really raise the profile of the industry, anything that can support people out there in the industry. But thank you. Uh, I really appreciate that. And uh, thanks again for for joining me so much today. It's been a, a really great episode and I can't wait to release it so all of our listeners can access it as soon as possible. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA HR Recruitment. If you need help with a current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.